friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Friday, June the 9th. And wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, I wish you God's grace. I wish you God's life. I wish you God's very presence. As we enter, my friends, into again another solemnity, right? We talked about that last week. We've celebrated 50 days of the Easter season. Uh, Last week, we celebrated the the Solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity, and today we celebrate the Solemnity, the Feast of the Body and Blood of Christ, what used to be called Corpus Christi, or still is, you know, for for those who speak Latin. Um, And and we're going to, I mean, this is, brothers and sisters, this is, in, in many ways, I won't say the beating heart of, of our faith, because I think we celebrated that, you know, just over 50 days ago with Easter. I think resurrection, death and resurrection are the beating heart of who we are. Um, but this Eucharist is really kind of what it looks like uh, in, in a Trinitarian form, in an incarnational form, uh, in our, you know, Jesus's uh, giving of his body and blood. Uh, so we would do the same and that would live in us. Oh my gosh, I'm already getting ahead of myself, aren't I? It's a great feast day, and we have great readings for it, really good ones. Uh, Okay, so we're going to read out of the New American translation, pretty typical. It's what you're going to hear at Mass this weekend. The first reading is Deuteronomy. It's a retelling. That's what Deuteronomy is, a second telling, a retelling of their story to remind them who they are and whose they are. Brothers and sisters, that is good stuff. The Jewish people, the Hebrew people, smart, smart, smart uh, to try to remember their story and so they remember who they are. It grounds them. We would, we would be wise to do the same. Anyway, where'd that come from? Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 to 3, then 14b to 16a. Just trust me on the b's and the a part. It just means the second sentence in verse 14. Uh, and it ends after the first sentence in uh, verse 16. You'll know the story. Really good stuff. Uh, so good they repeat it twice within that uh, that reading. Then we're going to go with the gospel, which of course has to be taken out of John chapter 6, right? Uh, John 6, verses 51 to 58. Again, it's going to be very familiar. Here's our problem. This becomes so familiar, we just kind of let the words roll roll through us, roll past us. Because oh, we know this stuff. We've been taught it since, you know, before our first communion, right? What I invite you to do, what I invite me to do, is humble ourselves in a sense, take off our shoes, because what we're going to experience today is holy ground. And brothers and sisters, we don't know the fullness of the Eucharist. We don't know the fullness of what this invites us to. We don't know the fullness of what this gift is. We don't. You don't and I don't. Um, and that's not a guilt trip or shame for anybody. It's saying, let's open ourselves to, to a God who can and will continue to surprise us and bring out the fullness of what this is. So when we do that, let's open ourselves, humble ourselves. Let's ask that spirit to, to, to bring that word to us in a new way, in a unique way, in maybe an old way, but a way that we need to rehear our story and that we're just going to sit with it. Um, And again, allow God to speak to you, to me, in ways that God needs to do that today. And with that, my friends, let us open ourselves to the Word of God, okay?
A reading from the book of Deuteronomy. Moses said to the people, Remember how for 40 years now the Lord your God has directed all your journeying in the desert so as to test you by affliction and find out whether or not it was your intention to keep his commandments. He therefore let you be afflicted with hunger and then fed you with manna, a food unknown to you and your fathers, in order to show you that not by bread alone does one live, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Do not forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that place of slavery, who guided you through the vast and terrible desert with its seraph serpents and scorpions, its parched and waterless ground, who brought forth water for you from the flinty rock and fed you in the desert with manna, a food unknown to your fathers. My friends, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Again, allow God to speak in a new way, in whatever way that spirit imprints on your heart, okay? You trust that, and you stick with that. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to the Jewish crowds, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. The Jews quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I have life because of the Father, so also the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, unlike your ancestors who ate and still died. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Again, my friends, and, and you know this, the Word of God speaks far more than what I'm going to say. And I just invite you to sit with that. Sit with that. So good. I want to start with Deuteronomy. Um, gosh, there's so much there. So much there. Okay. I just want to use the images more than anything else, right? Um, we have a people who are journeying in the desert for 40 years. And, um, but yet God directs the journeying in the desert. Oh, brothers and sisters. I, I mean, isn't that the image for us? What desert are you in today? What, I, I mean, it, it almost seems like we lurch from one to the, to the next, right? And it isn't, I'm saying that we are, are completely within that, but I'm saying that deserts are a very real part of our life. I want to go to the, to the second part here, where basically they, re, they retell it. Well, I, let me go to the end of the first part. He therefore, God, 
Let us be afflicted with hunger and then fed us with manna in order to show that not by bread alone does one live, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God lets us be afflicted with hunger. And then God feeds us the only thing that can satiate that hunger. Sit with that. God, therefore, let you and I be afflicted with hunger. And brothers and sisters, that is the story of our life. Because what we do, and and again, this is, oh, my friends, this is just not Joe speaking. Please, please know this is, this is, you know, any spiritual uh, mother or father is going to tell you this, that what we do then in our lives is seek to fill that hunger with all sorts of things, right? We seek to fill that hunger with acceptance, with success, with a spouse, with, uh, uh, you know, um, a, a sports team, with a career, with alcohol or drugs or sex. We seek to fill it with, um, I mean, money or, or possessions or power. We seek any, I mean, they are legion, right? They are legion the number of ways we do that. And, and brothers and sisters, to the extent that we do that, and we do, why? Because we're human and we've been afflicted with hunger. To the extent that we do that, we live in a desert. Why? Because no life comes from there. Listen, let's be honest. There's a little bit of what we think is life there, but then we have to get more of it and more of it and more of it. And we realize that it is empty and it is lifeless and we are wandering. And we are wandering. Did you hear the the second, the retelling part? It almost tells the first commandment. It, It starts with it. It says, do not forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that place of slavery. Brothers and sisters, we can be enslaved by the best stuff that we think. You know, I love ice cream. I can be enslaved by it. I might sound stupid, but to the extent that I'm looking for that, that whatever I'm afflicted with hunger, even simple things, if I'm looking to it to make it through this next part of my day, um, I'm, I'm, whatever it is, whatever it is, then I am its slave and it is my master. Our God afflicted us with hunger in order that only one thing can fill us. And what is that? It is God's very presence. It is God's very presence. And that's why we can only hear from, from John chapter 6 today, right? It's the bread of life discourse. Um, basically, the whole chapter starts with the feeding of the, uh, the multitudes. And then Jesus walks on water. They're heading over to Capernaum afterward. And then for the rest of John chapter 6, he talks about what we hear today. And he, and he says it repeatedly. One cannot read John chapter 6 and not get the idea. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread, meaning, he's, so he's comparing himself to the manna, okay? He's comparing himself knowingly. 
Listen, you've been afflicted with hunger. The only thing that's going to satiate, the only thing that's going to satisfy, the only thing that you have been made for is me, is me. And I am this bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. It's not going to enslave you. It's not going to leave you wandering and, 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 and needing more and more and more and more. I am the bread that, will give, that, that I will give. And, excuse me, and the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. Not only on the cross, which of course it is, but in the very Eucharist that we're talking about here. And remember, this is written 60-ish years, give or take, after the, the, the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. So let's say that happens around 30-ish. John's gospel is written in the 90s. So let's say 65 years after. A good 20 to 30 years after the other gospels. Why is that important? Because John's community has had a chance more, even more to reflect upon the word and what that word means. Their community was, is, was rooted in the Eucharist. Had to be. If you don't believe me, don't just look at the, the gospel of John. Look at the first and second letter of John. You know, and, and what he's talking about. Um, and clearly they're trying to, to, to show this is what the early church believed too. This is not just something that came about in the last 100 or 200 years. From the very beginning, this understanding that our God gives us God's very being. Why? Because it's what we're made for. It's the only thing we hunger for. It's the only thing that gives us life. Why? So we can go out and do the same. So we can give our flesh for our spouse. Uh, not only in the act of making love, which of course is one part, but in the act of very dying for the relationship or, or the act of, of, of dying so our, our families may live. In the very act of dying so, so a, a community or, or a, a family or, or a, a, whatever it would be, um, a friendship may live, may live. That's... Brothers and sisters, that, that's what it's all about. It's what we are made for, to be a part of this very cycle. And the only way we can do it is with God's very being. And there's only one place we can get it. Okay, so the Jews start quarreling among themselves after Jesus says this. How can you give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus, okay, anytime you hear him say, amen, amen, I say to you, know that something important is coming after. Because he's saying, hey, listen, I'm pointing at this. Truly, truly. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. And then, you know, just in case we didn't get it, my, my flesh is true food. My blood is true drink, meaning this is real. I'm not just talking in, in imagery here. I'm not just talking in hypotheticals. I'm not just talking in parabolic ways. This, this is real. This is real. Now, I want you to think about that. Think about this. One of the closest associations we're ever going to have in life, okay, our spouse, our children, our friendships, our, our siblings, our parents, you know, all those things. Yes, 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 and yes. But it's with our food that we eat. Why? Because we take it within us. And it digests, right? And those proteins go into our very cells, into the blood, which carries them to the, to the ends of our very self to the tips of our fingers and the tips of our toes and everywhere in between. And it brings this nutrition to them and it helps us regenerate and become who we are. Why would taking our God within us be any different? It is not. 
I mean, that old adage, we are what we eat, is so true. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you need me if you are going to carry on my very mission, which, by the way, we are called to do. We are commissioned to do. We have to take that very thing in so that proteins, that very being of God nourishes us and is sent to the very ends of who we are on ourself. And we become what we eat. Now, does that mean we become divine? Well, well, we are not gods, if that's what you're, you're asking. But we are gods in the sense of G, capital G-O-D apostrophe S. We are our, our God's delight. And the Eastern Church, by the way, we call this the, the process of becoming holy. The Eastern Church calls it the process of divinization, of becoming a, and, and more into the nature of the divine. Make no mistake, that's what we are invited to. And the only way, because we are afflicted with hunger, the only way we can satisfy that is with our God. As much as Snickers is good, right? As much as Snickers is good, it doesn't satisfy. Only one thing does. Only one thing does. Now, if we keep reading the gospel, it cuts off at 58. If you read starting at 60, there Jesus is in Capernaum. He's in the, uh, the, the synagogue there. And uh, people start grumbling, not just the, the people before, the Jewish leaders who grumble, his very disciples start grumbling and say, this teaching is hard. Who can take it? Who can, who can accept it? And, uh, you know, of course, Peter speaks up, right? Because in the Synoptic Gospels, Peter speaks up in Caesarea Philippi after, you know, Jesus says, hey, who do people say I am? Ah, oh, you're Elijah, you're one of the prophets, you're John the Baptist, yada, 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 yada. And Peter says, you are the son of the living God, right? Not in John's gospel. Not He doesn't say it there. It says to Philippi. He doesn't say it in the same way. Peter says it here. When the people grumble and they want to leave, right, because of this teaching, too hard to accept. You know, he's not talking in, in image anymore. He's talking in reality. Jesus looks at the 12 and says, what about you? You also going to leave? And Peter says, Lord, to whom else shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. I have come to believe, we have come to believe that you are the Messiah. That's, that's his proclamation. And not only does he say it then, he says it, or excuse me, Martha says it later in the raising of Lazarus, where Jesus says, hey, you know, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, you know, will rise in the last day. I know he'll rise in the resurrection. And he says, I am, I am the resurrection and the life. And, and, and Jesus says, do you believe this? And Martha says, yes. I, and, and it's almost the very words of Peter. I have come to believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. In case we didn't get it from Peter in chapter 6, we get it from Martha in 11. Brothers and sisters, now I'm going to say a couple more things and I'm going to stop. You may say to yourself, Joe, I totally appreciate this, but I struggle with the Eucharist because I doubt. Because, because it's beyond me. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. It's beyond me. It's beyond you. It's, it's beyond the greatest theologians that have ever lived on this planet. Because the Eucharist is always more. What did um, Aquinas say as, as he died, right? It's all straw. Everything that he wrote, it's straw. Because it doesn't capture who God is. Listen, that's, a, that's Thomas Aquinas. One of the most brilliant people ever to live. Think of the most pious person you know. 
and they don't have a fullness of the understanding of the Eucharist. Brothers and sisters, I want to make this clear. Doubt is not the enemy of faith. Certainty is the enemy of faith. Because certainty doesn't have any openness for God to invite us to a new place. Doubt is the humility that takes off our shoes and says, I have no idea why this bush is burning. But I'm going to go and I'm going to lay and kneel before it and allow you, God, to teach me why it is. This Eucharist, I don't understand for a moment how this is you, Lord. Um, But I know you said it. And I know you commanded us to take it. And you weren't mixing words. And I'm going to take off my shoes and, and learn because I know you got more for me there. I don't have it fully. And that's okay. That's okay. Doubt is not the enemy of faith. Certainty is because certainty doesn't allow us to be taken anywhere new. And brothers and sisters, we are a pilgrim people. We are not at the end. God has things to teach us. Last thing, I'm going to read a paragraph from Father Richard Rohr. Uh, I'm reading a meditation book, uh, and it just, it's just it's daily meditations. Uh, it's particularly uh, written toward men, but, but, but this is for all of us, all right? And he talks about this whole image, and, and I want to leave us with it because I think it's great. So these are Father Richard Rohr's words, not mine. Um, but if you don't know Father Richard Rohr, oh, so good. And this is what he says. One wonders if Christians who drink the blood of Christ at the Eucharist have any idea that they're participating in a form of ancient initiation, where the young boys drank the blood of their fathers and elders to know who they were. Henceforth, they had no doubt whose blood was in their veins. Thus, Jesus did not say, think about this, or look at this, or even adore this. He said, drink this. Brothers and sisters, do you know whose blood runs in your veins? Only one. The one who created you. The one who afflicted you with hunger. And whose hunger can only be satiated by the one who created it. Let's pray. So we begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The fifth luminous mystery. It's the only one we can do today, right? The institution of the Eucharist. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, holy Mary, mother of God. Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, holy Mary, mother of God. Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Bless you, my friends. Become what it is that we eat. Be well.